Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Oh, you know what? Real quick before we start, I forgot to mention that my final CES interview will be aired on Allison Sheridan's show, The Nocilla Cast. And in this interview, I sat down and talked to some folks about uh, Alzheimer's and Alzheimer's detection. And they had this really cool helmet that might help with early Alzheimer's detection. So um, I'm going to put the link for Allison's show in the show notes. So please go and listen to that episode. I'm really proud of that interview. It was, it was a lot of fun to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodhi, and I am your host, and this is episode 351. I was going to make a big deal about episode 350, but I completely forgot. Or at least I think I did. I'm pretty sure I forgot. It's been a long week. Real quick, I want to thank everybody from the bottom of my heart who downloaded the latest episode of my other podcast, Shuffle Playlist, because that the last episode uh, went crazy. Lots of downloads. So thank you so much for doing that. I really appreciate it. There is a new episode up and we covered the band Muse and the song Bliss. And in this episode, Chris and I disagree a little bit and um, it wasn't heated. I think I, I think it might've hurt Chris a little bit. It made me feel really bad, but if you want to listen to it, I'll put a link in the show notes. If you want to, if you want to listen to me crushing Chris's spirit, who Chris is like one of the nicest people I know, Go ahead and uh, listen to it. I'll put a link in the show notes. And the song Bliss, I said I didn't like it because at the time I didn't. But as I edited the episode together, I'm going to tell you, I kind of liked it a little bit the more I listened to it. So I'll have to, I haven't told Chris yet, but I will have to let him know the next time I talk to him. All right, let's get back to this podcast. I'm actually recording on a Sunday uh, because this show is probably the biggest show I've ever done to date. Um, I actually started writing notes a week ago last Sunday because I was like, oh, I want to get ahead of this because I, I have a busy week. Well, the amount of news this week was absolutely crazy. I pulled information from 53 articles. Like this show is based off of 53 articles that I read. Um, I actually looked at way more articles than 53, but this show, I actually pulled information directly from 53 different articles, whether it was small or a lot, 53. That's a huge number for a weekly news show. Um, we're not going to talk about 53 different things. Those articles uh, involved some of the same stuff. I just got different information from different places, different sources, but I still had to read through all that stuff. I actually wrote 16 pages of notes, and I have a word count of 4,022 words. Now, that may not seem like a lot, but I don't write everything down that I'm going to say. I use bullet points to give me a direction, and sometimes I read it uh, as I've written it, but a lot of times I don't. I just use the bullet points as a reference because I know maybe what I wanted to say when I wrote it, but I the way I write and the way I talk aren't exactly the same thing. So yeah, it's it, just a lot. I'm just letting you know, this is going to be a long episode. So if you don't want to listen, 
stop now because we're going to get into it. But if you do want to listen, you're in luck because I did a lot of research for this show and I think it's going to be fun and entertaining. All right, let's jump into our EV news. New Jersey will end sales of ICE cars by 2035. New Jersey joins New York, California, and the European Union of the banning of ICE cars. I don't know if they all have the same date, 2035, but they're all banning them. Volkswagen teased a video on Twitter of an unknown EV. All that you see are the tires and a little bit of camouflage and the vehicle is tr quietly traveling across an icy landscape. You just hear the tires traveling over the snow and the ice, that little crinkling sound. At the end of it, there's just a little bit of writing that comes up, a little bit of text that says coming soon. And what's coming soon? I'm not sure, but it may be a EV version of the Tiguan because Volkswagen announced that they would be building a EV similar to the size of the Volkswagen Tiguan, which I think is fantastic. Um, it might be called something else. I'm going to guess it's, you know, going to be called ID and then a number, but I could be wrong on that. Uh, this new vehicle will be built on the new and improved MEB platform. And as we get more information, I will be sure to keep you up to date. VinFast is creating partnerships to help launch in the United States and Europe. Um, in the United States, I, I'm laughing because of what I'm going to say in, in just a little bit here. In the United States, U.S. Bank will be the preferred financing slash leasing partner. In Europe, VinFast is opening stores in Germany, France, and the Netherlands. They have a partnership with E.On Drive for AC and DC charging stations. They have over 200 charging points planned. And then this is what I was laughing about. Last week, I mentioned that Venn Group has plenty of money. And if they went out of business in the United States, it wouldn't be because of money. <laughs> Fun story this week. Venn Group founder, Pham Nhat Vyong, I am totally saying that wrong, but I looked it up several times to see how to say it. Hopefully, I came at least a little bit close. He has said that he will no longer be investing his own personal fortune into VinFast. So Vin Group's founder <laughs> said, I'm not giving any more money to VinFast. Vin Group's founder, Vin Group, and other investors have invested $7.5 billion into VinFast. That's a lot of money. Um, I wouldn't read too much into this, though, just because, you know, he he said he's not going to invest any more of his own money doesn't mean that they're not going to get backing from Vin Group or any other outside entity. Just He's just saying, you know what, as far as my own personal money, I've put enough into this and I'm not going to put any more into it. That doesn't mean they won't seek other investors at some other point in time. That just, you know, whatever. What I'm saying was I, I was wrong. It could be that they actually run out of money. <laughs> is really where that's coming from. Uh, some good news for VinFast. VinFast has been given the okay to start construction on their EV plant in North Carolina. So that's good news for them. And that concludes our VinFast news. Let's go ahead and move over to our Ford news, which we have quite a lot of this episode. Uh, at Ford's Q4 2022 earnings call, Jim Farley mentioned that Ford fell short of their own expectations. If you remember, they were very contrite in the way that they were speaking, and they took the executive team, took a lot of the blame, Jim Farley taking the most of the blame. We now know that Ford plans on doing the following to improve profitability by 8%. That might not seem like a lot, but when you're a company the size of Ford, 8% can be significant. Um, they're going to do a better job at production scheduling. Just by doing this, they could reduce cost by $2.5 billion, which makes you think, why weren't you doing it before? Uh, they're also going to produce new LFP batteries. LFP batteries are great. They're more affordable uh, than the nickel manganese cobalt batteries. They're also quite a bit more robust than those batteries. Like you can charge them to 100% and not get as much battery degradation as you would with the nickel manganese cobalt batteries, NMC, I think is what they're calling them now. Um, the downside of the LFP batteries is they're not as energy dense, but you know, more affordable and more robust. 
that's a that's a decent trade off. And then they're also planning on reducing the battery size of the modules while maintaining range, which means they're going to start maximizing efficiencies. And they're going to take a page out of Tesla's manufacturing playbook by producing large underbody castings like what Tesla does with the Gigapress for the Model Y and the, the future Cybertruck. So that seems like uh, everybody thinks that that's a good idea who's in manufacturing. So that's going to become a thing more often. Now, some bad news for Ford. Ford is pausing production slash deliveries for the F-150 Lightning due to some battery issues. The issues may be due to a fire risk, although Ford says there hasn't been any fires, but in one case, there may have been a fire. <laughs> Let me explain. A week before, uh, Ford reached out to some customers and notified them that there was a customer service action, which... I'm going to call a voluntary recall that was issued uh, against the F-150 Lightning to replace parts that may prevent battery degradation. Um, in in a weird coincidence, a week after that, there was a fire in a F-150 Lightning. Does that mean that these two things are related, the battery module issue and the fire? No, it doesn't, but it's coincidence. Ford said that the customer service action was for about 100 F-150 Lightnings, it's a pretty low number, and it had nothing to do with the battery fire on February 4th. I'm sure as the investigation is done on that fire that happened on February 4th, we'll find out whether they had something to do with each other or not. Hopefully not. But yeah, pretty interesting. Moving on, but staying on the topic of batteries, Ford and Chinese battery manufacturer CATL are building a battery plant in western Michigan. This will create about 2,500 jobs. That's the good news. That's great news. Uh, here comes the bad news. Former presidential candidate and current Florida senator Marco Rubio wants an investigation into Ford's recent announcement of the partnership between them and CATL. Rubio is concerned about the tech transfer within the deal, and he wants the Committee on Foreign Investment to investigate it. Uh, that's foreign investment in the United States. I don't know what specifically Marco Rubio is concerned about. CATL currently supplies batteries for BMW, Daimler, Hyundai, Honda, Tesla, v Toyota, VW, and Volvo. Um, now, I realize that those aren't American companies except for Tesla. But, I mean, why wouldn't you be concerned that Tesla was sharing tech with a Chinese battery manufacturer? And why are you only concerned that Ford is? I would imagine that all these companies have to share some of the technology that they're putting in cars with uh, uh, their partners. So I'm not really sure what's going on here. It would seem to me that CATL knows more about battery manufacturing than Ford. I don't necessarily think this is a ridiculous request. Like if you think it should be investigated and you know something, you should probably ask. Uh, CATL, again, is a Chinese company and U.S.-China relations are really strained at the moment, to say the least. We'll just not even talk about the balloons before that. Uh, but I hope this is a legitimate request and not some court of, sort of nonsense political theater that sometimes happens in American politics. And it, I'm not even picking on Republicans here because it happens on, on all of the sides. So, uh, which I've, <laughs> I think I've been pretty clear on this, I think is really stupid and and I won't say any more so I don't get myself in trouble. Uh, you know what? I will say this. I expect that our elected officials, uh, when we elect them, they go to Washington or whatever government uh, uh, level of government they're representing, and they act like adults. Like, I am supposed to go to my work and act like an adult, and I can't act like a petulant child. I expect politicians to do the same thing. I know that that sounds silly on my part, but that's what I expect from them. Moving on. Ford made a big investment in Rivian in 2019. Originally, Ford was going to use the Rivian platform or license the Rivian platform to build EVs for Ford and Lincoln. We don't know which EVs they're planning on using the platform for. Uh, initially, myself and some others thought they were going to use it for the F-150 Lightning. It turns out that was not the case. 
but uh, that deal is pretty much gone now. In 2022, Ford started selling shares at a loss. They took a $5.4 billion write-down on their investment. At an earnings call that we listened to on this show, they didn't want to talk about it. Like Analysts were asking them about it, and the executives were like, man, we're not ready to talk about that. Well, now Ford has sold nearly all of their shares in Rivian. When I say nearly all, um, I mean that Ford still owns 1.15% of Rivian, which means they have 10.5 million shares, which is significant if you're an individual investor. If you're a company the size of Ford, I guess it's not so much. Unfortunately for Ford... um, they had to take a $7.3 billion write down on the Rivian investment just recently. So yeah, that's a bummer. But even though Ford and Rivian are splitting up, they've agreed to remain friends and no word on what they're going to do with the dog that they adopted to try and save their relationship about a year ago. Um, but I'll keep you posted. Let's talk about GM. We have quite a bit of GM news too. <laughs> Not as much as the Ford. GM will have seven EVs running on the Ultium platform, ranging in sizes and prices in 2023. That doesn't include the Bolt and the Bolt EUV, because those two don't run on the Ultium platform. They will have the Chevy Blazer EV, the Chevy Equinox EV, the Silverado EV, the Cadillac Lyric EV, the Hummer EV, the Hummer SUV EV, and the Bright Drop delivery van, which is the same as the Rivian delivery van for uh, what's that company? Amazon. Now, Mary Barra wants to drive costs down to the point where GM can achieve a 20% margin on the $40,000 vehicle. Now, I'm not sure GM can achieve that or not, but I'm all for cheaper vehicles. So go for it, GM. Uh, let's get away from cheaper vehicles though. Cause you know, like gross, uh, Cadillac is going to announce three new EVs in 2023. We don't know what they are as of yet, but we do know that Cadillac's only built about a thousand Cadillac lyrics, which I was actually kind of surprised by such a low number. Now, if you're not interested in the Cadillac lyric, you might be interested in the Cadillac Celestique. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Production for that will begin in 2023 at the end of 2023 with deliveries in 2024. There's one downside to this car, and it costs $300,000. Now, if you have that much money to spend on a vehicle, it's probably not a, ban- a downside. But if you don't, um, it's it, it'll probably prohibit you from purchasing this vehicle because it costs $300,000. Um, has a Cadillac ever cost the equivalent of $300,000 in the history of the company? I know they're not a cheap brand. But man, that seems like way outside of where they normally play ball. Uh, if you, if you know, email me. It's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. Now, Magna International, we're almost done with GM. Uh, they will supply the battery enclosures for the 2024 Chevy Silverado EV. They also build the enclosures for the Hummer EV. So I'm curious if they're the same battery enclosures. It would make sense that they would either be close or the same because that would end up saving GM money. Moving on to Dodge. Dodge debuted the Ram Rev at CES. It looked amazing. Well, <laughs> when the Super Bowl came through... Dodge debuted the Ram Rev 1500. It was a very funny commercial. We actually talked about it on the show. Um, My first impression of the Rev 1500 is it looks like every other Dodge truck on the road currently or newer Dodge truck. Like in January, we got this revolutionary looking truck, right? And in February, we just got a truck. So, yeah, Uh, I'm not disappointed. I'm I'm. Just mad. No, I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't know why Ford would show off the Ram Rev, which is this great looking truck, and then put out an EV uh, truck one month later that looks nothing like the concept. Like I get it at CES and you kind of got to make a splash, but man, it is not, it's not a, it's not a bad looking truck. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't throw it in the trash if somebody gave it to me. But on the other side, it, it's not, what I got excited about in January. If I had never seen 
the Ram Rev at CES, I would, I think I would have uh, a more f- positive things to say about the Rev 1500, but because we saw the Ram Rev and all the cool things that it could do uh, as a concept, and then a month later they put out the Ram 1500, um, I'm not as excited about it. Still a good truck. If the price is affordable, I'm still looking for a truck to purchase, and I would definitely consider it. Uh, we don't have a lot of information at the moment on this truck in terms of specs or pricing. We do have lots of vague promises like superior range, payload, towing, and charging time, but no hard numbers. We do know the production will begin in late 2024. Um <laughs> At one point in time, you could join the Ram Insider program for a $100 deposit, which is refundable, but Ram has closed the Rev Insider program just five days after opening it. Now let's jump back real quick to the Ram Rev that was showed at CES. That was an amazing looking truck. One of the cool things that they had was this wireless charging solution that would... It sat on a dock like a Roomba, and when the car was parked, the charging solution, the wireless charging solution, would drive underneath the pickup truck and charge the truck, right? And when it was done, it would drive away. It would, you know, roll away back to its dock, just like uh, a Roomba or a robot vacuum, right? Uh, Stellantis is partnering with Hevo, H-E-V-O, for a wireless charging solution. Now, Stellantis owns Dodge, if you don't know. Hilo and Stellantis will start... The testing process, the wireless level two charging testing process on a Chrysler Pacifica plug-in hybrid, which uh, is cool. It doesn't have a very big battery, so probably a good place to start. If that goes well, then they'll start expanding the program. Now, here's where it's kind of relevant to this show. Hevo has actually reached out to me, and hopefully I'm saying their name, name right, for an interview, which I'm... Uh, on board with doing the day they proposed i can't do because i'm busy uh, so i gave them some other days and i'm waiting to hear back but it'd be kind of cool to uh, talk to this company about what they're up to now uh, the hevo solution is just a pad in the garage it's not the uh, wireless charger that acts like a robot vacuum that's not this this uh, solution it's just a pad that sits on the floor in the garage and then there's a charging station up on the wall and that's how the vehicle gets charged but yeah hopefully the interview ends up working out um i'm hoping to hear from them this week but sometimes interviews just don't work out uh also by the way last little bit on dodge here dodge is working on a mid-sized ev truck about the size of the dakota which i'm excited about that's actually about the size of the truck i need but uh we may not see that until 2025 All right, we're moving on to Hyundai. Hyundai has launched a new subscription program in the United States called the Evolve Plus. Hyundai says their goal is to provide flexibility, affordability to consumers who want to drive the brand's newest EVs without committing to a purchase or longer term lease. This is similar to the autonomy service. We had the CEO of autonomy on the show similar to what they're doing. So at the moment, you can lease a Kono Electric for $699 a month or the Ionic 5 for $899 a month. Price does vary based on which Kona EV or Ionic 5 you want. So if you want the higher end Ionic 5, you're going to pay a little bit more versus the lower end Ionic 5, you'll pay the $899. The fine print is it's a $300 activation fee, Whoever leases the or the vehicle or subscribes to the vehicle, because it's not a lease, uh, is the person who is allowed to drive the car. And one additional person can be registered to drive the vehicle. The subscription period is considered 28 days. So it's not quite a month. So you're going to pay $8.99 every 28 days. You can cancel any time within that 28-day period. Other subscription services might require you to have a three to six month commitment. According to Hyundai, I don't know what other subscription services they're talking to talking about. Cause I think autonomy was, you could just turn it in at the end of the three months, but you had to pay a thousand dollars up front. So, or you could turn it in at the end of the month, but you had to pay that thousand dollars up front. So that might not be what you want to do. You know, it might not be the most economical option. 
some more of the fine print here is you need to be at least 25 years old. You have a three-year driving record, a valid U.S. driver's license, a credit score of at least 650, and a credit card with your name on it. Now, what's included? Well, you get a 1,000 miles a month or 1,600 kilometers. And if you don't use that 1,000 miles in that month, you can roll it over to the next month, which is pretty good. It includes insurance, maintenance, although on a new electric vehicle, there's not going to be a lot of maintenance, registration, and roadside assistance. What it does not include is charging. So you won't get free charging with this plan. And then on top of that, you can't drive for a company like Uber, Lyft, or any other ride-sharing company, or DoorDash, or Instacart, or anything like that. I don't know how they would find out if you did, but you signed a contract saying that you won't. If this is something that interests you and you live in the United States, you can sign up via the Hyundai Evolve app. Um, it's pretty simple. I actually signed up for the app. I didn't actually get a car because there's nothing in my neighborhood and I'm not interested in spending $899 on an Ionic 5. But it looks like it's a pretty simple process. Um, I downloaded the app and basically was told there was nothing in my area. So I put in a different zip code and I was able to see the cars available in that zip code. All right, that concludes our EV news on this episode. Normally at this point, I would do a Patreon plug, but because this is going to be a longer episode, I'm going to skip that. So if you're interested in supporting the show, there's links in the show notes on how you can support the show. I'd appreciate it if you gave it a peek. But please don't feel pressure on supporting the show one way or the other. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, moving on to our Tesla news. Every now and again, I like to look at the price of what it would cost to put a Tesla solar roof on my house. At one point, when I first moved into the house, it was right around $75,000 without incentives. Now, <laughs> I just looked, and now it's $138,000 to put a solar roof on my house. That'll be for a 9.36 kilowatt system. If I wanted a bigger system to future-proof, that would be an additional uh, $7,000. So that would be $145,800 for a 13.61-kilowatt solar roof, which is insane. If I wanted um, power walls, I would have to pay another $21,000 on top of that. Now, there are incentives available. There's a 30% federal tax credit. And then, you know other local tax credits, depending on where you live. 
But $138,000, that, that went up by a lot of money from seventy five to one hundred and thirty eight. That's insane. Anyway, I highly encourage going to Tesla's website and trying this for your home. It's a fun game. You should try it. It'll make you sad. In March, which is just coming up, we may be hearing about a new Gigafactory in Mexico. And this is a rumor, but seems like it's heading that direction anyway, that we're going to get a Gigafactory in Mexico. Just where is the question? Tesla has decreased the price of the CCS to Tesla connector. I know it's called the North American charging standard or whatever now, but I can't remember what it's called. So we're just going to say the Tesla connector. So this allows you to pull up to a CCS charging station and charge your Tesla. Uh, This was originally $250 and now it is $175, which is a nice little break of $75 in Canada it's $240 Canadian down from $340 Canadian. So the Canadians get a nice hundred Canadian dollar break. Uh, let's see here. Tesla investor day is coming up on March 1st. Elon clarified on Twitter what investor means in this case. Cause you would think that Tesla investor day means actual, you know, investors <laughs> coming and learning about the company, but This is what Elon had to say. Looking forward to Tesla Investor Day on March 1st. By this, we mean the broadest definition of investor as in people and life of Earth, which basically is everybody. Um, It will be a message of good hope and positivity for the future. And hopefully it is. Uh, I, I I hope it is. I think at the time of this recording, we're about 10 days away from Investor Day, from the Investor Day presentation. And I kind of wrote down some thoughts of what's going to be included. Now, I'm just going to give you the bullet points here because we're on a time crunch. I think Tesla is going to talk about, uh, obviously, the master plan because that's what they've already said they're going to talk about. I think they're going to have some gigafactory information I think they're going to talk about the more affordable car and the new architecture slash platform that they're going to build that car on. They're, I think they're going to talk about hardware four and when it's going to be available and the capabilities. I think we're going to get a supercharger update, although it's probably going to be small. And I think we're going to get the Cybertruck details. And if we don't get the Cybertruck details, I'm going to go absolutely insane, but we'll see what happens. Uh, what do you think? that Tesla's planning for investor day, send me an email and I'm going to read these on the air. If you send them to me, just so you know, but send me an email. It's Bodie B O D I E at nine one eight digital.com. And I'll only use your first name. I won't use your last name. Or if you have a made up name, you want me to use that. I can use that as well. All right. Uh, let's see. The Biden-Harris administration is looking to subsidize EV chargers across the U.S. so that they are convenient, reliable, and made in America. We've talked about this in the past, so I'm not going to go into all the details on this. The Biden administration has asked Elon and Tesla to open up Tesla superchargers to superchargers to all EVs. Musk met with Biden officials about the matter. So this is really weird because... <laughs> Um, Elon has already said that they're going to open up the supercharger network to other EV makers. Um, and they even opened up the Tesla charging connector, which is the North American charging standard connector. Yeah, I looked it up. My point is, is the Biden administration asked Elon to do something that he had already said that Tesla was going to publicly do. And by the way, with this North American charging standard connector that they have, it's probably going to benefit Tesla if people actually or if manufacturers actually adopt this more than it's going to benefit the manufacturers. But that's neither here nor there. Speaking of benefiting Tesla, Tesla is going to benefit a whole lot by opening up the supercharger network. They're not planning on opening the whole supercharger network. Uh, but they are planning on opening 7,500 superchargers by the end of 2024. Now, that doesn't mean that they won't eventually open up the whole supercharger network, but the goal is 7,500 by the end of 2024. If Tesla doesn't open up the charging network, they're going to lose out on $7.5 billion in subsidies, which is quite a bit. Um, (laughs) So here's the thing. 
So if Tesla qualifies for the entire subsidy of seven and a half billion dollars by just opening up 7,500 chargers, 7,500 chargers, that would mean that they get $1 million in subsidies per charger, per supercharger, which is insane. According to a April 2022 electric article, it costs EV charging companies anywhere between $150,000 and $200,000 to install a level three charger or a DC fast charger. According to Forbes, it costs Tesla about $43,000 to in- install a DC fast charger, which is the supercharger. This is based on grant information from the Texas VW Environmental Mitigation Program. This is where VW had to pay some states because of Dieselgate. So here's what the program had to say, or here's what Forbes had to say, excuse me. A Texas program which gives grants to install EV fast chargers as long as they support non-Tesla cars got applications by Tesla. This was a first for Tesla in the USA as their stations normally only charge Tesla cars. Also interesting is the amount for the grants, which can cover up to 70% of the cost of a charger to a maximum of $150,000 per charger. Tesla's applications ask for as little as $30,000 per charger, while most other applicants are claiming the maximum of $150,000 and perhaps cost even more. Now, we've talked about this in the past. So um, if you've been listening for any length of time, this shouldn't come as a big surprise to you. But let's put our imagination hat on for a moment. And let's say that building and installing and manufacturing a supercharger costs Tesla $100,000. Let's say the cost of retrofitting these superchargers um you know, by adding adapters, software updates, whatever has to happen on the back end infrastructure wise, let's say that costs them a an additional hundred thousand dollars per supercharger so that other EVs can charge on their network. Between the manufacturing, installation, back end, and retrofitting costs of seventy five hundred superchargers, that would cost one and a half billion dollars. Now, a lot of assumptions are made during this example, but if Tesla opens up 7,500 superchargers, they get $7.5 billion, and let's just say it costs them, we'll double the $1.5 billion to $3 billion in subsidies, uh, in, in actual cost. They get another $4.5 billion in subsidies. Now, I will freely admit that I am making these numbers uh, completely up. But it seems like Tesla, my point is, I guess, what I'm trying to share with you is that Tesla is um, probably getting a pretty decent deal from the United States government on these subsidies. That's the only thing I'm trying to illustrate. Uh, Some Tesla customers, though, are not happy with the thought of sharing the superchargers with the great unwashed masses, those who don't drive Teslas. And my question to those people is, is have you ever used a non-Tesla charger to charge your Tesla? If you have, you don't have a leg to stand on. If you haven't, you have the moral high ground and I bow to your power. Those who are disappointed in Tesla's decision to open up the supercharger network do have some good news coming their way. However, if you live in the United States, Tesla says it's going to double its superchargers across the U.S. by the end of 2024. Then that is truly good news. Let's move on to the Model S and Model X. Legacy Model S and Model X owners, the ones that have unlimited supercharging, which means they were purchased before September of 2018, Tesla is offering them a little carrot to trade in their vehicles and buy a new Model S or X. Tesla is offering them an extra $5,000 on top of their trade-in if they buy a new Model S or X, which is a pretty generous offer. I wonder if this has more to do with Tesla wanting people to get off unlimited free supercharging, or if it has more to do with Tesla just wanting people to buy a new car. Uh, I would guess it's more probably the second. I can't imagine that it costs Tesla all that much with these unlimited superchargers, especially with the amount of models that are out there. But I could be wrong on that. I don't know. 
Moving on, lots of Model Y and Model 3 price movement in the last couple weeks. There have been so many changes. At the time I write this and at the time of recording it, um, I'm reluctant to give any actual numbers. I'm going to, but I want you to know by the time you listen to this, they might be wrong because Tesla has made price changes four times in the last month alone. The Model Y has uh, increased in price, but the Model 3 has dropped in price. For a short time, I looked at the existing inventory for the uh, for the Model Y, right? This was on a Friday a couple weeks ago. And the Texas-built 4680 all-wheel drive Model Y was around $50,000. I was like, ooh, that's nice. I'm going to have to talk to my wife about this. And then I looked again on Monday, and it was $53,990 with no upgrades. That was just the base price of the vehicle. A Model Y long range is currently $54,990. The long range has a 330-mile range, and the 4680 all-wheel drive Model Y has a 270-mile range. So it, it really makes more sense to just go with the long range in this case. Despite the price changes, there's still good news for Tesla in regards to the Model Y. According to Inside EVs, they are reportedly sold out for Q1 2023 of the Model Y. So that's pretty impressive. And right now, if I could just give a little plug for the Model 3, the Model 3 standard or whatever they're calling it, um, this is the best deal um, when you consider the EV tax credit and whatever local tax credits you might get because the car itself is like forty two, forty three thousand dollars $43,000. I don't have the number in front of me. And then you add that $7,500 tax credit on and then you add whatever local credits you might have. It's a pretty good deal. All right here. Um, I can't remember which episode I talked about this on, but Elon at some point said that FSD version 11 is coming out by the end of the week. It didn't come out. It's still not out. These things are hard. I don't blame Tesla or Elon or anybody else for this. But according to Whole Mars catalog on Twitter, employees are now getting the beta version of uh, FSD beta 11. I think it's 11.3. So hopefully that means it's coming to everybody else who has the FSD beta um, who's in that program soon. We have some Hardware 4 news. Now, we all knew that Hardware 4 would come standard with Cybertruck. Uh, that was something that Elon announced when the Cybertruck was announced, and he said it just recently on an earnings call. But the Cybertruck won't be out until sometime after the summer, and even then, don't expect to get yours until sometime in 2024 if you're a reservation holder. Like, a very few people are going to get their vehicles in 2023. So when will we see hardware for in other vehicles, other Tesla vehicles? Well, we have a hint. The Dutch Vehicle Authority has approved hardware for for Model S and X. So this is a – I have a little um, – screenshot i guess of the paperwork uh my brain's failing me folks it says vehicle type 004 all variants this is from the dutch authority and then it gives an approval number and then it gives the date january 20th 2023 and it says changes to approval so here's where we're getting a little bit of hint on what's going on here with hardware 4 introduction of generation 4 Complex Vehicle Control System, Autopilot. Introduction of New Car Computer and GNSS Antenna. Now, there's some other stuff on this application, but I'm not going to read it because it doesn't have anything really to do with Hardware 4. But going further into this, Hacker Green the Only on Twitter, which we've talked about him in the past, somehow he got his hands on Hardware 4, Software and hardware, which how we got it, we don't know. It sounds like it fell off a truck just outside his house. But before we get into what Green the Only found, we're just going to call him Green. I just want to say this isn't 100%. This is him, uh, a very skilled hacker, you know, snooping around in hardware for and snooping around in the software and then telling us what he found. It doesn't necessarily mean this is what hardware for is going to be, but this is a really good indication of what hardware for is going to be. Just 
I just want to say this isn't gospel until Tesla actually announces it. FYI, we don't know which generation software he got. We don't know which generation uh, of hardware for he got. Maybe he's got he's working with something that isn't up to date is what I'm saying. Uh, he does say that this hardware came out of a Model X with hardware 4, and he says that they've been building Model Xs with hardware 4, but they haven't shipped any yet. So there's there's a good chance that it's up to date, but again, we don't know. The form factor of hardware 4 is different than hardware 3, so there's definitely no way to retrofit it. So we we already knew that Elon said it. The infotainment system and the self-driving computer are combined into one. The hardware four has a higher power consumption than hardware three, and we would expect this if it's supposed to be more powerful computer than what hardware three was. Tesla is using a twenty-core Samsung Exynos-based chip, which I don't know if that chip's been altered specifically for Tesla. Um, or if it's just a standard Samsung Exynos chip. It'll have 20 cores, which is eight more cores than what hardware three has. Improved redundancy. Sounds like we're getting more cameras. It's gonna increase from eight to 12, although that could really be eight to 11 with one connector as a spare. We don't know 100% yet. It'll possibly have two cameras in the bumper and the GPS system will have a tri-band antenna. So that's exciting. So when are we going to see hardware four in Tesla vehicles that aren't the Cybertruck? Well, the answer is we don't know. In the Model S and X, it's probably fairly soon in Europe, I'm guessing, which is since they make all the Model S's and X's here in the United States, it's probably wherever there's a Model S or X sold, soon it will have a hardware four system in it. When will we see it in the rest of Tesla's vehicles? I'm not really sure. Uh, Tesla is going to start Cybertruck production this summer, right? They're only going to produce a few vehicles during that time. I can't imagine that they're going to, you know, hold hardware four from the other vehicles just because Cybertruck hasn't hit, you know, full production. So my guess is, and this is a guess, this is not reality, that we'll start seeing these vehicles during the summer, the hardware four vehicles in, in the summer sometime. Um, maybe they'll start with the higher end you know, Model S and Model Xs, um, and then that'll work into the higher-end Model 3s and Model Ys, and then eventually work its way down into the lower-priced Model 3. I can't imagine that they're going to put hardware 4 in, like, the $43,000 Model 3 uh, right out the gate because uh, they want to encourage people to upgrade and spend a little bit more money, but I could be wrong on that. Uh, Tesla... <laughs> Tesla does things that uh, I, I'm certain they're going to do one thing, and then in reality, they do something else entirely. So um, guessing is futile at this point, but pretty exciting. In 2023, we're definitely going to see some vehicles with hardware 4 in them, and I'm excited to see what they can do. Initially, they're not going to do that much. They will probably have less functionality than hardware 3 for a while, but uh, once Hardware 4 gets up and running, I'm excited to see what it can do. While we're on the topic of full self-driving, uh, the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration has initiated a recall of 362,758 Tesla vehicles. These vehicles were built between July 16th, 2017 and July 18th, 2023. If you're curious if your vehicle qualifies, you can go to the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration's website and you can um, enter your VIN and it'll tell you if you qualify for the reef or if you're part of that recall or not. The issue is with the FSD suite. And here is what the paperwork from the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration says. Tesla Inc. is recalling certain 2016 to 2023 Model S, X, and 2017 to 2023 Model 3 and 2020 to 2023 Model Y vehicles equipped with full self-driving beta software or pending installation. The full self-driver, the full self-driving beta system may allow the vehicle to act unsafe around intersections, such as traveling straight through an intersection while in a turn-only lane. 
entering a stop sign controlled intersection without coming to a complete stop or proceeding into an intersection during a steady yellow traffic signal without due caution. In addition, the system may respond insufficiently to changes in the posted speed limits or not adequately account for the driver's adjustment of the vehicle speed to exceed posted speed limits. So, so in the past, I've said that I'm not going to talk about any recalls that NHTSA um, initiates unless it is an actual recall that includes something being fixed, you know, manually fixed or replaced hardware-wise. I wasn't going to talk about software updates. Well, this is one of those ones that's a software update, and I think it's significant. And the reason why is because... Um, the days are limited where Tesla and other companies can be building their ADAS systems out and just release an update without some sort of government oversight or approval. Like there's going to, they're going to start, the government's going to start putting guardrails and roadblocks up for these companies. And a little bit of it has to do with Tesla and Elon and promises made and promises not kept. Now this is, somewhat my opinion but the this is also this is also we're seeing a lot of moves on the government uh, in terms of investigating tesla on a lot of different fronts when it comes to full self-driving and promises made by elon and tesla because he represents elon or he represents tesla and in a lot of ways i agree with what uh, the government's doing here because I don't want some company out there just willy nilly releasing this stuff. Like I actually trust tr Tesla. I think they're doing a pretty good job. I, I think that they need to dial back the optimism a lot, but I actually think they're pretty doing a pretty good job on what they're offering and what their cars can do. They're not perfect, which is why you need to dial back that optimism and set up a realistic expectation. Having said that, one day there might be an automotive company that's out there and they're just willy-nilly putting this stuff out and making promises and it definitely doesn't live up to its promises and it's actually hurting people. I don't want that to happen either. Now, one of the things that Elon was frustrated with is that uh, they're calling this a recall because Elon said, you know, this is this is not a recall. Basically, this is... He says that this is a, a using recall for an over the air update is wrong. And I'm paraphrasing on this. And I do agree with him in this case because, like I said before, there should be a part that needs to be fixed or replaced for a recall. I think there should be alerts for things that need to be fixed by a software update. And I think these alerts should be coded or given some sort of levels so that people are aware of how important the issue is and what the issue is. So um, in, in this case, like, let's just say this would be a software update, but it would be a high alert. And that way people would know like, hey, you really need to pay attention to this. And be aware in these situations that the the car could fail to obey local laws, right? And then there's going to be an update on April 15th to correct this issue or improve it. So, yeah. Oh, and by the way, I do think it's kind of funny that this is a recall or an update because this is likely something that Tesla's also been working on for a while now. And they would have fixed anyway. So I would imagine that if the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration did not get involved, this would get improved without their intervention. I know I'm giving you a lot of contradictory views today. <laughs> just, just where I'm at. Uh, there, there's things that need to be addressed on, on many sides here. All right, let's move on to our final story of this episode. Tesla employees in Buffalo, New York sent Elon an email notifying Elon and Tesla of their intent to unionize. This comes from Automotive News, by the way. One of the concerns employees involved in unionization efforts have is that Tesla is putting a lot of pressure on them um, and it's impacting their health. The employees in question work on labeling data for Tesla Autopilot. 
Some of these employees have complained about Tesla logging their keystrokes to make sure that they stay on task, which would drive me up the wall if I was being micromanaged and looked at that closely. Some employees feel pressure that they can't take a bathroom break because if they leave their computer, it's going to affect their performance and all of that stuff is being tracked. Some employees have complained that they are treated like robots. In the letter sent to Tesla, here's a, here's a little excerpt, unionization will further accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy because it will give us a voice in our workplace and in the goals we set for ourselves and accomplish. Now, in my experience of working for businesses, which I have plenty of because even though I've been a firefighter for 20 plus years, I've had side jobs and some of those have been corporate side jobs. And no matter how good you do the previous month, they're going to push the next month even further. So if you beat a goal in February, they want you to beat that goal again in March. Like there's no realistic expectation of, well, March is usually a down month. No, that's not in their, in their head. They set the goals high. So I understand where they're coming from this. When you unionize, and I'm a, I'm a proud union member. I fully recognize that unions have issues, but by and large, I think they're a good thing. One of the things or some of the things that you look for when you unionize is you want to say in wages, hours, and working conditions. And this is, from what I see from this, this is no different uh, from what I would like to see from uh, my employer as a union member to what these folks would like to see as uh, they go through the process of unionization. They want a say in their working conditions, which is a voice over their workplace. Um, hours, you know, they don't specifically mention hours. And they pay, right now, pay uh, for a labeler currently starts at $19 an hour. I don't know how expensive it is to live in Buffalo, New York, so I can't tell you if that's a good uh, uh, starting wage or not. I can tell you in Phoenix, it's 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 okay. It's not great. They want more job security. They want less scrutiny over hours and output. There you go. There's the hours. Um, Tesla has a new policy that prohibits workers from recording workplace meetings without all participants giving permission. These workers are saying that that violates New York's one-party consent law, and it also violates federal labor law. So you may be thinking, uh, why would Tesla... Uh, what reason would they have to ban people from recording workplace meetings um, without all participants giving their permission? Why, that doesn't make any sense. How does that have to do with unionization? Well, I'm not saying Tesla's doing this because I don't want to get sued. Uh, <laughs> and uh, someday I would like to order one of their cars and not to have Elon cancel it. So I'm not saying that they're doing this, but what a lot of big companies will do is they'll, when these unionization um, efforts start, uh, forming and and uh, as they evolve, they'll bring people into meetings and tell them, "Well, if you join a union, this the all of these bad things are going to happen to the company." And that's that's fairly common. Again, I'm not saying Tesla is doing that, but we've seen where other people have recorded these meetings from big companies, and in a roundabout way, they're trying to do union busting. But they can't call it union busting because that's against the law. You can't keep people from organizing. So uh, that that's why that would be significant. Again, Tesla legal. I'm not saying that you're doing that. I'm just saying that some companies have done it in the past. Another thing that companies do is they try and um, limit conversation between uh, workers. Uh, they try to say, oh, you can't talk about this kind of thing at work or that kind of thing at work, right? There was an internal uh, chat board at Tesla where employees could discuss their issues with the company, and Tesla's reportedly put that uh, a stop to that. They can no longer do that. Um, yeah, which is a bummer. And Elon has tweeted in the past that he can't stop Tesla employees from unionizing but he also made veiled threats about Tesla's generous stock options uh, going away if they were unionized because uh, Tesla wouldn't be able to do that, which is not true. And the National Labor Relations Board found that Elon had gone too far with that tweet and he deleted it. And speaking of the NLRB, according to Electric, 
an official complaint has been filed with the National Labor Relations Board against Tesla because of some reports that Tesla fired dozens of employees, which is really around 30, um, involved in union involved in union. <laughs> Been a long, it's, I'm almost done. Involved in unionization attempts at the Buffalo, New York facility. So these folks sent a letter to Elon, and then all of a sudden, uh, some of these folks were let go. In the filing, it says the following. Uh, in a filing with the U.S. National Labor Relations Board, the Union Workers United accused Tesla of illegally terminating the employees in retaliation for union activity and to discourage union activity. The union asked the labor board to seek a federal court injunction to prevent irreparable destruction of destruction of employee rights resulting from Tesla's unfair conduct. Again, this is something that big companies do. Not saying Tesla's doing it, Hey, Tesla, I'm not saying you're doing it. I'm just saying this is a common playbook for Tesla or not Tesla. I'm not going to take that out, but I didn't mean it. This is a common playbook for big companies is they will file fire the rabble rousers and then um, to to intimidate anyone else from stepping up into those roles. A Tesla employee who was organizing, uh, who's one of the organizing committee members, Arian Barek, he said this, I felt blindsided. I got COVID and was out of the office, and then I had to take a bereavement leave. I returned to work. I was told I was exceeding expectations, and then Wednesday, which was July 14th when these folks were fired, came along. I feel strongly that this is in retaliation to the committee announcement, and it is shame shameful. Now, Tesla initially did not respond to... um requests uh, for information on this topic, but they did write a blog post eventually. Uh, here's the blog post. It's, it's pretty short. There is a false allegation that Tesla terminated employees in response to a new union campaign. These are the facts behind the, the event. Tesla conducts performance review cycles every six months. Employees receive a performance rating from one to five in each cycle that helps them calibrate their work with the expectations of their job. In the worst case, if the company, or excuse me, if an employee fails to meet their performance expectations, they will be let go. Uh, this review process takes place globally, including North America, Europe, China, etc. It is not localized to Buffalo. The most recent performance review cycle was from July 2022 through December 2022. On December 13th, 2022, managers across the company received a communication regarding the review schedule. This included information noting that exits for low performers would start the week of February 12th, 2023. Approximately 4% of the employees on the autopilot labeling team in Buffalo were exited as a result of a of this performance review cycle. The employees let go as part of the process received prior feedback feedback on poor performance from their managers over the course of the review period. Despite feedback, they did not demonstrate sufficient improvement. The impacted employees were identified on February 3rd, 2023, which was well before the union campaign was announced. We became aware of unionization activities approximately 10 days later. We learned in hindsight that one out of the 27 impacted employees officially identified as part of the union campaign. These, they, uh, excuse me, this exercise predated any union campaign. The labeling team in Buffalo, New York has been growing over the last several months at an average of around 10 employees per week. Over the last six months, the department's base has grown by 54% from 437 employees to 275 employees at the beginning of this week. The reason there is time monitoring for image labeling is to improve the ease of our ease of use of our labeling software, since this purpose is to calculate how long it takes to label an image. There is nothing gained by delaying bathroom breaks. The claim that Tesla pressures employees to do so is categorically false. 
our employees in Buffalo, our core to our mission of accelerating the world's transition to sustainable energy, helping to build superchargers, solar roof, and power electronics for many applications. So that is Tesla's response. Honestly, when I read through this, I know a lot of companies do this kind of thing, so it makes sense to me. It does not seem suspicious at all. So my hope is that there is an investigation by the NLRB, and we find out what the truth is, because there should be a long paper trail of these folks like, here's your review, here's where you need to improve, then there should be a check-in, did you improve or not improve, and then some continuous checking in and counseling with their supervisor. If uh, their supervisor said, hey, you're doing really well, and there's no counseling, and they're getting fours and fives, and they got fired, well, that might be a little bit more suspicious. So um, I'm hoping to hear more about this in the next couple of months as the investigation takes place, or hopefully the investigation takes place. All right, everybody, that is it for us this week, or this episode anyway. Man, this is a long episode. If you made it to the end of the episode and you're and you would like a sticker, send me your email and your address and I'll mail you a uh, kilowatt sticker. Just let me know if you want the retro sticker or you want the new uh, show art sticker. All right, everybody, that is it for me this episode. Again, if you want to email me, it's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at 918digital. I hope you all had an amazing weekend, and I will talk to you on Wednesday. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 